very amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I am currently looking out my window at a squirrel who is just gobbling up a nut. And the fact that I'm usually sitting at my desk shoveling food into my face really feels like I'm looking into a bizarre mirror, like this squirrel and I are kindred spirits. Hi, squirrel! Oh, he doesn't want to talk to me. Anyway, popcorn-fueled rings is a bit more true this week, considering that last night uh, I told my husband, oh, I'll make dinner. I got this. I went to the farmer's market. I got all this food. I got to cook it. And I made him a whole fish, and I made myself a whole stovetop jar. What is it it called? A pot. (laughs) pot, Not a jar. pot. Oh, my God. Not enough coffee in the world. Um, I made a whole stovetop pot of popcorn and then dumped half a box of Reese's Pieces inside of it, and they melted, and it was delicious. And then he came in for dinner, and I gave him vegetables and fish and just stood over the stove watching Bones, which I'm now obsessed with eating popcorn and Reese's. So clearly, uh, I'm still hooked on the popcorn, probably not drinking enough water, forever dehydrated, and it's totally cool. It was a delicious dinner, and I stand behind it. I stand behind it. Now, I do want to discuss that over the weekend, I went to Bob Baker Day, which if you recall, we've done an episode with Bob Baker Marionette Theater and the theater's ties to Disney, to Walt Disney specifically. I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode. I am so proud of it. I'm so glad that the wonderful people at the theater lent their time to discuss with me because I care so much about that Marionette Theater in Los Angeles. And I got to celebrate them this weekend, which was so much fun. It was so much fun. It felt like a music festival, but it was a completely free event. And it's the first time in a while I felt like, oh, wow, there's a community here in Los Angeles. It's a really big city, but everyone there was just all in on puppets, on marionettes, on on, uh, fun things. And I was able to bring my dog Morty to something which I've never been able to do because, you know, Morty's not a service dog. Morty's not an emotional support dog. Morty's a Morty. Morty is truly a pet. And I was able to bring him because it was in the park and it was open and we got a caricature together. (laughs) Which, oh my God. God, I'm so excited about. I'm over the moon. But it was really nice. And at one point, Morty got a little overheated. And so I got him a snow cone. (laughs) I got him a snow cone. No flavor, obviously. I just got him an ice, just ice snow cone. And he gobbled it up. And I really felt like a a little dog mom just out in the town with a dog. It was really nice. It was lovely. And Bob Gurr was there. He was the grand marshal. He, like, I think, I didn't see it personally, but I saw it on my friend Jeffrey Epstein's Instagram. I guess uh, Bob Gurr drove around in a Autopia vehicle? <laughs> Why not? Why not? When you're Bob Gert, you better be trotting around at a fun event in an Autopia car. What a dream. Oh, what a dream. Anyway, today's episode is going to be the most helpful thing I think we've ever done here on Very Amusing. We not only have my good friend and colleague, Brooke McDonald, but we also have every tidbit of information you need to know about how to use and what is Disney Genie Plus. We're going to get into it. It is a lot of information, but if you are someone who's like, what am I going to do on insert trip here? You are going to be covered by the end of this episode. I assure you, once you listen to Broken Minds' discussion, you will walk away confident and secure in your future Disney trip. I won't waste any more of your time, even though I know a few people said they like the long intro, which thank you, thank you, thank you. But because uh, I just love to blab. I just love to talk. I just love friends, you know. But this week, it 
it, it is information. It is packaged in a nice conversational way, but it will hopefully make you feel more in control of your future trip whenever that may be. Uh, that's all we got. So stick around. We'll be right back after this with Disney Genie Plus 101, 201, 301, and 401, a full college course spectrum of what you need to know about using the new service. Stick around. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. This week, we are discussing how to conquer Disney Genie Plus with the one and only Brooke McDonald, my hard-boiled egg adversary, my blue wine-drinking confidant, my Midwestern theme park journalist sister in arms. But beyond all that, Brooke is the preeminent expert on all things Disney Genie Plus, because not only is she a theme park reporter and expert, but she has used it more than anyone I know, more than people who live in Florida mind you. So we had to go straight to the source and discuss with her at length in today's episode. Brooke knows the ins and outs of the system and fresh off a two-week trip to Disney World. She's here to teach us everything. And I use the word teach because even though this is my job too, Brooke is the person to go to for all of this. Truly. She's tried and tested every facet of Disney Genie Plus, lightning lanes, a la carte entries, and everything from early admission to extended evening hours, and is here to give you the details on what you need to know before your next Disney trip. Now, if you are listening to this and are one of the many who are thinking, what on earth even is Disney Genie Plus? I don't understand. Don't fret. You are being welcomed into loving arms in this episode. Because we get into the Disney lingo of it all, but this episode has a handy-dandy glossary in the show notes just for you. Yes, I for real wrote a little vocabulary lesson in the episode show notes so that if you're new to terms like MaxPass or individual attraction selection, you can handily refer to that without having to zip back to this portion of the episode multiple times to get your definitions. Easy peasy. There are a few things I want to mention up top, though. This episode will not discuss Disney Genie, the free, available-to-all service within the Walt Disney World and Disneyland apps. We will only be focusing on the Disney Genie Plus paid option, and that if for purposes of this, includes individual Lightning Lane attraction selection. If that sounds like gibberish, again, show notes, we got you covered. Walt Disney World recently updated their website and terms for Disney Genie Plus and now emphasize that guests can expect to book two to three return times during the course of one day at Walt Disney World. Originally, 
this was kind of inferred to give you more access to more rides. So I wanted to mention that up top that that has been updated and that is the standard going forward, which may be different from what you were expecting or what you've heard from earlier months when it was first rolled out. Also to emphasize, Disney Genie Plus is the same product from coast to coast, but works very differently at Disneyland Resort. We will talk about this multiple times in this episode, but it is a much easier product to use on the West Coast and you kind of get more bang for your buck. Since people may be listening to this well after certain details have changed in the future, I also wanted to flag that at this moment at Walt Disney World, attractions including Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, Frozen Ever After, and Space Mountain are included in Disney Genie Plus and are not individual Lightning Lane selections. That is something that changed between February 25th and August 7th, 2022. So during that busy spring break into summer section. But after August 7, 2022, it is very, very possible that those three attractions will return to where you pay a la carte for them. So keep that in mind, regardless of when you are listening to this pod. I think that's everything we have to get through. Anything I left out will be in that show notes section, but I think we're ready to talk to Brooke. So I'll turn it over to our very in-depth, very informative chat about Disney Genie+. Plus. Welcome to Very Amusing. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. I don't think I've ever said your full name to your face. <laughs> nope. I don't think so. This will not be uh, a cage match about plastic cheese. I promise. This is going to be a discussion about Disney Genie Plus because you have used it more than anyone I know. Uh, you have been through the trials and tribulations of it. And I think we feel very similarly about some aspects of it. So I just wanted to chat and kind of give the listeners uh, a peek into what it's like to use it to a different level, which you did on your recent 10-day trip? 11-night trip to Walt Disney World <laughs> with my kids. So that was the ultimate Genie Plus stress test. My kids get to go to Walt Disney World a lot. So um, our family experience is not necessarily a totally typical family experience, but you know we still go on during the school holidays. So we're always there with the kids at peak times. And obviously they want to do all the things. So um, so we do try to tackle and cover a lot while we're there. Well, in terms of Genie Plus, uh, you and I have both discussed this, but it seems like we need to discuss it publicly that Disney Genie Plus is not created equal on both coasts. Would you like to elaborate on how different it is at Disneyland Resort? Yes. So interestingly, we I mean, I tested Genie Plus on day one. Um, when it was launched on October 19th, you may have covered that. But the first time that I went at a really busy time and brought the kids and really tried to do a full day after that point was at Disneyland. And we were there between Christmas and New Year's, um, did, you know, five days in the parks. And our experience there has continued to hold up throughout spring break also, I think, um, as I've been keeping an eye on things. And it works the way I think it was intended to. And it works really nicely. Um Basically, you just can grab a lightning lane and continue to pull them all day, just the way that, um, you know, MaxPass and FastPass used to work. So um, not the same at Walt Disney World, but uh, just taking a look at what's going on at Disneyland, even just in the last couple of days, um, pretty much everything is available all day long in, you know, just with maybe two hours in advance would be the next time that you can pull. There are a couple that there are a couple rides that are really popular that maybe creep up into later into the day with return times, but that's the exception. Whereas at Walt Disney World, um, 
there's basically a big drop and in the morning and then all of a sudden all the return times are gone for you know until many hours later in the day oh my gosh i guess to get straight into disney world i would love to hear about the trip you just went on but i also want to mention why do you think this is happening like why do you think that disney world's genie plus is just not holding up to the level that they kind of promoted it as because it was really at least from my perspective, it was really billed as something where you could max pass style, just blow through the parks and do a bunch of rides in one day. And now that the language has been officially updated, that if you book your first one early, you can get two or three per day, which is less than Fast Pass Plus, as we know. What do you think is happening? Tell me about your experience. How is it being on the ground and just not being able to get anything? Why is it like this? I am still trying to wrap my head around it because it used to be that, you know, you could book your three advanced fast passes. So you kind of always got three of your most desirable rides with a few exceptions. Sometimes Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and things like that would be difficult to get um, at that 60 day mark. But and then you could still get more fast passes once you used your first three Um, now and in our experience, um, basically, you know, there's the initial, uh, you can book your first one at 7 a.m. And uh, there's obviously the most desirable rides go quickly right at 7, um, the early return times. Um, but, you know, I, I sometimes didn't book until 8.30. Um, and there would still be that first drop is kind of, you know, everybody's on a level playing field for that first couple hours. Um, and you could still get a morning return for some things like Big Thunder Mountain and things like that. Um, but then, so basically everybody who got their first lightning lane at 7 a.m., then there's a second crush, um, which is two hours after park opening, that 120 minute rule. And basically after that, everything is gone for the day. Um, not fully gone, but I mean, you are way into the afternoon and evening and in some cases totally gone um i'll use i checked today um at hollywood studios for example and the only at 3 30 p.m um the only right ride return available was um after six and it was star tours so all lightning lanes for all rides at hollywood studios for the rest of the day were gone by 3 30 which it seems unbelievable because like you and I have spent a lot of time in these parks and for there to not even be like an 8.30 p.m. Tower of Terror, for it to just be completely gone seems unfathomable, but it's what we're seeing happen, especially at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Yeah. And and again, why is it so different from Disneyland? I mean, I think I suppose more people are buying Genie Plus maybe than anticipated at Walt Disney World. This is for sure the busiest time. We are right in the middle of spring break. Um, Disneyland, even at, you know, school break times is still a local, a locals park and people, you know, locals won't pay that money every time they go. So you, I do think the demand is for sure lower at Disneyland than Walt Disney World. Um, one theory I've also heard is that, uh, there may be a lower supply of lightning lane returns than fast pass because, if people are paying for it, they don't want you to have to wait as long. Um, I don't know that, that I, I can't confirm that. Um, it's an interesting theory. And I will say that the uh, the Lightning Lane return queues do feel really, really short. Um, 
at Walt Disney World, you never wait more than five or 10 minutes. Um, you actually wait quite a bit longer for them at Disneyland in our experience. Yeah, I've experienced that too. It's, it's interesting because you would think if people were moving through quicker, you'd be able to pick up more or at least do um, the one... I think I've used it a few times, but I remember the first time I used Genie Plus at Walt Disney World, I did the method where you book the first thing you can get early and then you ride it and you just keep powering through them. And even when I did that, like I was able to get to what I needed, but that was when it first came out. And now that it's bigger and more people know about it and people are kind of splurging on these big return trips, I, I'm just so curious what the reasoning could be, even if it's I mean, is it is it crowd level? Is, is it that or is it just there are less vehicles operating on each ride because there's less staff like a, like a hidden factor? It just seems so strange that we are in 2022 and we are with what's supposed to be a new seamless version of Fast Pass Plus, And it's like learning an entirely new language. Yeah, there are a couple capacity factors going on now. Um, I mean, big ones that I that come to mind immediately would be, I think that there's one elevator down. Um, so Tower of Terror is only operating on one elevator. Um, so that's, you know, not insignificant in a park where there aren't that many rides. Mm -hmm. um, and then Expedition Everest at Animal Kingdom is down. And that one is a big, uh, that, you know, moves a lot of people through. So those are factors. Um, and then the other thing I think that we forgot to, that we didn't mention at Disneyland is there are a lot of rides and you're working with two parks. Um, so, you, and a lot of people do park hoppers. So you're basically working with, you know, 20-ish rides across the two parks versus in some cases, you know, Hollywood Studios has how many rides? Eight, I think. Um, and... And then shows. Um, but well, oh, another thing that I thought was really interesting when I was taking a look at it is all of the show. Um, I'm not sure that there are any lightning lanes for shows at Disneyland and Disney Cali California Adventure. Um, whereas at Hollywood Studios, half of the available lightning lanes are for shows. So they are doing that to kind of up the availability of lightning lanes, but it's just not for what people want to do um particularly at spring break you've got kids and everybody's just wanting to hit the rides hard so the demand is just way outstripping supply oh my god well i would love to talk further about your trip i i want to know uh because i believe for at least part of this you were like i'm not waking up at 7 a.m correct correct in fact i'm not sure that we ever did a 7 a.m and because of that we never rode slinky dog there were some things that we did not do because you have to get up at seven if you want that. That was the biggest one. Slinky Dog Dash, if you're doing Genie Plus and you don't get up at seven or rope drop, you're you know, not going to ride that unless you want to wait a really long time. And we were kind of just not willing to wait in really long queues at any point. We go a lot. So we debated sort of every day whether or not we would even do it and get Genie Plus. We usually, if we were going to a park for any amount of time, ended up deciding to and would get kind of, you know, the earliest one that we can when we were planning on going and then uh, spent a lot of time on the phone, a lot of time refreshing and didn't have a ton of success. So typically that two to three ride suggestion that they added actually sort of mid trip for us is exactly right. If you expect to get two, you won't be disappointed. And if you're hoping for a lot more than that, you probably will be. Oh, my God. I mean, a family of four. Like that's sixty bucks. <laughs> it <laughs> to is get two it, rides. It almost makes like paying to go on Rise of the Resistance feel cheap and like a good value. 
Yes. Basically, I think you kind of have to reframe your thinking and and think about Genie Plus as maybe think of it as a discounted individual lightning lane because you'll probably get two out of it. Because if you're not willing to wait 80 to 100 minutes for Tower of Terror or something, your choices are basically rope drop for some of the parks and some of the rides. Do it at the end of the day or pay the money, but just that's just going to get you those couple that you really want. So we kind of decided like, okay, what, you know, I said to my kids, what do you most want to ride? How is this day going to be a disappointment if we don't do X, Y, or Z? And then it was like, okay, so that's what we're going to go for with Genie Plus. We did a lot of things we don't always do. My kids like shows, they love Tiki Room and Carousel Progress and all that kind of stuff, but not every kid does. And so we kind of used the middle of the day for that or going back for pool time. And I think that that's probably the way to do Walt Disney World right now is to rope drop, hit the mornings hard, and then consider getting that second lightning lane when return times are so much later in the day, possibly even at another park. Because what happens is you get your morning, but by the time you can get your next one, they're pushed so far back in the day that you might not still be planning on being at that park anymore. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I would love to talk further about rope drop because for anyone who doesn't know, uh, typically if there was someone on the podcast, I would ask, were you staying on property with you? It's laughable to even ask you that because of course you were. <laughs> of course you were staying at, what was it, six different Disney hotels? We ended up only staying at four, um, but yes, only, we love staying on property. Yes. Yep. So you were, when you say rope drop, you're utilizing that half an hour in the morning, I assume. Yes. Um, so the ha- the early entry for resort guests is huge. It's so it, you get so much more mileage out of that even than Genie Plus. Um, so there is absolutely people talk about the perks of staying on property now um, without Magical Express and things like that. But that is really, really big. Um, we, for example, we did it at Epcot and we got through, let's see, what did we do? We rode Frozen and Test Track within the first 30 minutes. And those are the two, I mean, Test Track Lightning Lane returns go up to 8 p.m. typically like right after the first drop. So um, so we actually did early entry. We rode Frozen, Test Track, Soarin' and Living with the Land. Um, we waited a total and we, you know, got through all of those. We were super leisurely, stopped and got a donut um, and kind of did all of that in, I don't know, 90 minutes or so. Um, so and then we ended up going back to the hotel and, you know, going back out later in the day. Um, so that early morning is when you can get a lot done. And the middle of the day is when it's really tough to get Genie Plus return times. And the standby queues are just really, really long. So I think my biggest tip is really to just kind of lay low in the middle of the day or do shows or do a table service lunch or something like that. Oh, I mean, you're really one of the only people I've heard stressing how helpful that half an hour can be if you really play it right. Uh, Did you have any experience at any other theme park besides Epcot where you couldn't mash in as much in the morning? Yeah, so um, it can be incredible at Hollywood Studios or you can get burned by it. So that one's a good example. Um, Rise of the Resistance, It we have used it for Rise of the Resistance and gotten there and they usually let people in even earlier than that 30 minutes um, at Hollywood Studios typically. And so doing that, um, we got through, I've done it where I've gotten through Rise of the Resistance and not totally um, 
like the park has maybe opened to regular guests, but I've already gotten myself into the queue for Runaway Railway. Um, and that was actually, you know, that used to be a paid lightning lane too. But, you know, knocking those out and saving the money on that right away. What I think I would do now, though, is I would probably pay for Rise and use that early entry morning time to do more of the more of the Genie Plus Lightning Lane rides because Lightning Lane has proven to be so difficult um, at that park that it's you're actually better off hitting those rides during early entry and just paying for Rise of the Resistance. Um, and the one other thing I will say about Rise is if it goes down while you, and you've used your early entry time on that because that has happened to me, Oof. then you've actually lost your rope drop benefit. Whereas if it goes down when you have a Lightning Lane, they always make good on that. Right. So it's much more of a gamble. Exactly. Have you at all participated in that nighttime deluxe resort hour benefit? Yes, I have. And that's also really good. The thing is, I mean, at night, there are some parks, Animal Kingdom is one where at night, it really, really, really quiets down. So that's a great park to go to and not rely on Genie Plus in the evening. Hollywood Studios is a, would be a good one to take advantage of where you're still going to wait, but get lighter crowds there. It really, really thins out. It's just a question of, I mean, it gets late for that. So if you have kids, that can be, sometimes people don't take advantage of it just because of that. And also you kind of have to choose, are you going to start your day at seven or are you going to push it till midnight? It's tough to do both, but hundred <laughs> percent. If it's you, if you can, it's not even a choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, taking advantage of all of those things is 100% recommended because you're just not going to get everything that you were used to getting out of Fast Pass out of Genie Plus right now. And I want to ask because you are rope drop royalty, like you know how to do all these things in and out. What time do you get there? What's your approach? Like, is there anything that you should flag to listeners about? Like, if you're planning to use this half an hour, make sure to do X, Y, Z. Flight of passage at Animal Kingdom is typically a big one for rope drop. But the way that that, well, first of all, that park has been opening at 7.30 now. So um, you have to get there. I typically would try to arrive 45 minutes before the early entry time. Oh that's what I do. Yeah. So um, which would be 6.45 there. <laughs> oh, my God. Being from California is not easy. I know. I know. And with the thing, what you end up with if you do that, particularly at Animal Kingdom and for Flight of Passage, by the time you actually get on the ride, the whole process has almost taken 75 minutes or so. Um, and then you're, and then, and then I'm kind of saying to myself, well, did I need to get up at 6.45 and do this? I, or should I have just waited 75 minutes at five o'clock? So I would probably not do that for Flight of Passage again because everybody goes to Flight of Passage. So at that park, I would use it for something else. Navi River or... Safari has been not always opening during early entry, so you'd need to check that. But um, that would be a good park to do everything but Flight of Passage and either pay for Flight of Passage or do it at the end of the day or just kind of accept that that's one that you were going to wait for. Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince. But no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying 
everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses. And the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're up here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym. It's like, you kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their ultra-form bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. I've noticed one of the things that like the big takeaway is that like Jungle Cruise has been very in demand. Are there any other attractions like that for someone who hasn't been back in a while that they should maybe take note of and try to plan their lightning lanes for that are in big demand that you might not expect? Absolutely. Um, Jungle Cruise, number one, it goes so fast that it's it's at 9 p.m. return time by, I don't know, 11 a.m. So if you want to ride Jungle Cruise and you are not staying at Magic Kingdom all day, that should absolutely be your 7 a.m. pick, 100%. Um, nothing else at Magic Kingdom flies like that. Peter Pan would be the next one, um, but not to the extent of Jungle Cruise. Um, and then at Epcot, it is uh, Test Track, I would say, is the um, Test Track and Frozen, for sure. Those are the ones that creep up really, really fast. Um, so like I said, I would rope drop those if you could. Um, otherwise... Those would be your two. Um, I'm not even sure that you can get both of them because often they'll sell out by the time you'd be able to pull your second one. And then Hollywood Studios is Plinky Dog is the most popular, followed by Smuggler's Run. Um, so those would be the two to go for as early as possible. Slinky sells out. Um, so if you want that, you have to grab that right away at seven. How and does Runaway Railway Run factor into that? Um, it doesn't, it, it doesn't sell out nearly so quickly. Um, I think it has probably has high, I don't know if it has higher capacity. Um, standby is at various times of day, not too bad for that either. So, um, I would absolutely prioritize smugglers run over runaway railway for fast passes and tower of terror with that elevator being down right now too. Great. Um, and then what, what do we leave out? Um, Animal Kingdom is 
I mean, I, I suppose Navi River and Safari would be the big ones. Dinosaur, um, my kids, it's, my kids love that ride so much. They make me ride it constantly. And it is always a short wait, even just by the early afternoon. So Animal Kingdom is not, Animal Kingdom is really not a great use of Genie Plus um, unless you're park hopping and then you could, you know, use it at two parks. Is there anything that you personally, if you had a say in it, you would fix about Disney Genie Plus? Are you like, I have spotted the key to make this better. This is what well, it is. Well, 100%. Um, you cannot modify your Lightning Lane reservations. This yep. is my number one complaint. And to me, this would be a huge game changer. Um, with FastPass Plus, a lot of times you wouldn't have the best time. Like you weren't excited about the time or the selection you got. But it was okay, and you would grab it and say, and hey, maybe I'll find something better. Um, when you refresh, you cannot do that now. You have to cancel and then start from scratch. And because the availability is so dicey, that is such a huge risk that typically you're not willing to take it. Um, so it, it would be wonderful if you could modify and you know have the power to improve the outcome um, of whatever reservation you grabbed. And uh, yeah, so I'm really hoping that they introduce that. Also for park passes, um, there's one, I think there's like one park pass type where you can modify park passes, but for um, for most people or for most um, pass types, you have to cancel your park pass before you can book another one. And again, with availability being so tight, um, it's a really big risk. The other thing that I really think might help is if, well, first of all, I would love it because I wouldn't have to wake up at 7 a.m., but I would love for them to get rid of the 7 a.m. initial booking the way they do at Disneyland. At Disneyland, you can't book your first lightning lane until you enter the park. And um, I think that, you know, possibly it will add to a lot of initial crowds in the morning and people wanting to tap in. But I do think that overall it would be much better for availability if you had to enter the park first. I do too. And I'm, I, I know that at the beginning before they launched it, they talked about, they kind of, kind of inferred that they would be changing things around. They'd see what works, what didn't work, which we've seen with them moving some of those paid lightning lane a la carte selections into the general Disney Genie Plus allotment. Uh, I would love to see them try some of those stuff. I know that is a nightmare to message, but as a regular, like I, I would really love to see them kind of a B test some of these more experiential factors to see how it does work if people just show up instead of 7 a.m. and like how that affects things. I would also love to see park hopping move even a few hours earlier because I'm real curious how that would affect the way people move through these parks. Like, are they just booking things that they don't want to do because they're stuck in one park? Who knows? That's an interesting point. Um, if park hopping changes could help with that, because I like particularly with something like Hollywood Studios. Mm -hmm. um, that would, yeah, that would be, and I would also love to see that 2 p.m. feels really late. Um, and one thing I'll just share as a tip too, and something that I noticed a lot of people um, don't realize about park hopping is people, and you may have covered this, but people still do not know that they have to tap into their initial park. Um, so you constantly will have people showing up and trying to park hop after two um, somewhere where they didn't have their reservation and there's no more reservations for the day. And I always feel so bad for them. It's uh, it's so much information. And like we're dealing with a fan base that is knowledgeable <laughs> and has learned the ins and outs of an entire different language and system. And now it's just new all over again. 
it's just wild. It's just wild to me. It's wild to me that people listening to this are diehard Disney fans and are probably still going to pick up at least one thing they didn't know before. You talked about a lot of the challenges, but overall, um, you know, our 11 day trip, um, things like I didn't feel like food and bed lines were long or stressful or challenging at all. Didn't run into um, some of those mobile order backups that we were seeing a lot more earlier, Um, you know, earlier in the reopening time. um, I never felt like we had to wait too, too long for stuff like that um, or had got like horrible return times for food. Um, And I didn't feel I never felt like the crowds were crushing. Um, So we had a wonderful trip and it, you know, the genie, the the genie challenges weren't like deal breakers by any means. Um, I just think that people definitely should reframe expectations if it's their first trip back after being used to the the three initial fast passes and then kind of being able to get a couple more during the day. Those are really incredible points. And to agree with you, uh, mobile order has been so much better because uh, we I think we both have experienced the worst of it and probably the best of it, which is I would what I would say it is now. It works. It's reliable and it's been working quite flawlessly on my end. So I'm, I am happy about that. And I do want to mention that. I also, I just want to mention as part of this podcast that I am pro tiered experiences. I think that the way that Disney parks are moving in the future, which I first saw in Shanghai three years ago at this point was like, Paid FastPass existed in a Disney-owned digital system. Like, this was happening no matter what. I think that the fix isn't to make everything free to everyone. I think having different payment tiers is great because right now it's, you pay, uh, I guess, let's say you buy two, uh, two a la carte. Let's just call them 10 bucks a piece. So $20 a pop. You buy, you're at Disney World. You buy Disney Genie Plus for 15 bucks. You're at $35, I hope, if I do math correctly. <laughs> and that is a very different price point than a VIP tour, which is the next step up. So if you want to skip the line, you either are currently paying $35 per person per day to do multiple experiences, or you're paying hundreds of dollars an hour with, seven, I believe it's seven hours minimum. So I I would maybe anticipate and would welcome there being something in between those two points. Uh, there really hasn't been anything in that middle space since they offered paid fast passes to club level room guests, which was something done very quietly a few years ago. I'm sure you remember that, where you could buy uh, three extra fast passes per day per person for $50. And I think that a lot of these problems could be alleviated. I don't know how, but if there was a mid-level price, so something where you pay maybe a few hundred dollars to do something below a VIP tour, but above the regular lightning lanes, and I'm curious what that would be, but it seems like if they can strategize that out so there's different options for different budgets it could alleviate a lot of the crush that is disney genie plus right now i mean i would be super open to that and just having every lightning lane be have its own price and all be a la carte um i think that it would increase the ability for people to be spontaneous um and you wouldn't i mean if you could just if it was six o'clock and you were with your kids and you said, okay, um, we want to ride Tower of Terror. What's the wait time? Ooh, it's too long, um, but it's eight bucks. Let's pay for it. I, I love that. Yeah. And I think and- that a lot of family, and then you could change your plans too. I think then if they were all a la carte, then things wouldn't sell out. Everything wouldn't sell out in the morning and it would be just kind of a more, it would just support spontaneity, which I think a lot of us would love. I will say though, again, we should reiterate that Disneyland, it, it, yeah. 
it's it's awesome. Disneyland, um, great. I mean, Disneyland, at, no complaints. <laughs> at one at like one thirty today, I could get a Rise of the Resistance return time at Disneyland like two hours later. So, um, and Web Slinger, everything was available, and most rides had a return time in two hours. So, um, you know, it's definitely. It, it's awesome there and still totally supports that max pass you know go with the flow and keep riding what you want whatever is available and you want to do next yep god bless the locals because <laughs> <laughs> they make it possible i do have a couple questions about just tips and advice you might have so if someone was going to plan their trip and they're planning on they have park hopper tickets or they have an annual pass. They're going to go to multiple parks in one day. Do you have any advice on how they should stack their trip? So what park should they start in until they're able to hop? And then is there anything you'd recommend hopping to? But most importantly, if you are combining parks, is there one you think is more beneficial to start the day at? Hmm. Um, I mean, Magic Kingdom, you can rope drop you can get the most rides in i would say um by rope dropping at magic kingdom so i think i'd probably say that um is a great starting park uh and a lot of people for a long ever since genie has launched have kind of looked at um doing sort of the afternoon stacking of fast passes at hollywood studios so while your instinct might be to do that um you sometimes they really still just run out um so i would say if you were planning on trying to do that and grabbing afternoon hollywood studios um it would be a good plan but you would you shouldn't expect to get more than two um and those rides creep up so quickly too that um if you keep an eye if so say at 7 a.m and you're going to try to just stack an afternoon at hollywood studios and do standby in the morning at magic kingdom um, if you just keep an eye on those returns, they go up so fast that you could kind of choose, okay, I'm going to get a 4 p.m. You know, I'm going to wait until um, Tower of Terror is at 4 p.m. And then I'm going to grab that because chances are at two hours after opening, everything else that's available is going to be even later than 4 p.m. Um, so that's probably how I would do that and just expect that you're not going to get any lightning lanes for the morning. Um any other park hopping um, split? I mean, I love doing a split between Hollywood Studios and Epcot because they're easy to travel between. Um, and Epcot opens typically a little bit later. Well, no, they're kind of opening at the same time right now. Um, I don't know. All of the splits work. Animal Kingdom is a killer park to do in the evening because it's so killer in a good way because yeah. <laughs> everything, is, everything is low weights. Um, the best day you could probably have without buying Genie Plus would be rope drop magic kingdom and then do animal kingdom in the afternoon and you'd be able to ride so much without needing to get it one other recently added lightning lane was for festival of fantasy at magic kingdom and um we did not use our lightning lane for that it happens twice a day and um it's it has it has showed up in my tip board as you know a pretty easy to get uh lightning lane so we checked it out, and I will say that while it is a good location um, in the hub right across from the castle, you are in blazing direct sunlight. Um, and I've had, you know, kind of a lot of parents ask about that spot. And I think probably if you if you don't want to have a lot of sunscreen on and be quite warm, um, then you might not want to use your lightning lane on that. Um, 
there are shadier, nicer spots on either side of Main Street, depending on the time of day and some good shady spots in Frontierland as well. Um, so it's a great spot for a lightning lane, but just word of warning, it is direct sun. Another tip that I have is that even though, um, as we've seen, they've added a lot of shows to Disney Genie Plus, um, the weights are typically so low that it's just not a great use of your lightning lane. Um, so I would definitely just keep refreshing and try for those rides and always do standby for the shows. Um, the character, the character meetings too. Um, it's great that they've added those, um, back in the day, pre COVID, for example, Mickey at town square, um, that wait was really, really long for standby. And that was like one of the, that was a fast pass that would go really quickly. So far, we haven't seen very long waits, um, but I think we could see character waits go up now that hugs are back or coming back. So um, that would be one to kind of keep an eye on for another good use of lightning lanes. And that might be becoming more popular lightning lane with the return to traditional character experiences. Yeah, I'm very, very curious to see how that affects things, especially in the first three months of it, because, you know, we're in like we're edging out of spring break, but we are about to hit summer. And for people who are coming back for a big summer blowout trip who haven't hugged a character in years, that's going to be a top priority. So I, I really wonder what that will shake out to be in terms of traditional ride wait times. Yeah, and there are a lot of um, there are a lot of good character opportunities, for example, at Hollywood Studios. So um, if that kind of increases in popularity, then that could help a lot, too. Also, highly recommend to ease the pressure a little bit opening launch bay. That would help a lot. And I would personally request that. <laughs> Thanks, Disney, if you're listening. I will never forget when I went to Paris and I met Darth Vader and you were pissed. <laughs> Rude. I mean, I, I, met hurt. Him for, I, was hurt. I met him for you, but I get it. I get it. Well, and, and I have done a lot of rope dropping in the day that Launch Bay reopens. If it reopens, I will be first in line. Yes, I will also flag that you will be at Walt Disney World when the characters return. Yes, I will. Yes. I will be there for day one of hugs. Put April 18th in your calendar and definitely sign online and follow along because Brooke will be on the ground <laughs> just judging all the character meets and seeing how it goes down. I feel like we've covered every angle of Disney Genie Plus. <laughs> I've just like milked you for all your expertise, but do you have any anything else to add? Any other tips any other uh, helpful brook advice i mean i will say after going with my kids and again we had such a great trip so don't let the talk about it get you too down um you know manage expectations on maybe not riding every single top tier ride at a park in a given day but you know going with the flow and trying something that we've never done before is the reason that my kids now have a sutiki room like five times every trip um you know try Try some things that you wouldn't normally do and plan for a slower afternoon and you'll still have a great trip. Incredible. Thank you so much for coming on Very Amusing. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to see you soon. I know, me too, on National Hug Day. <laughs> Hello, Carly. This is Kyle from Miami. My boyfriend, Jonathan, and I are huge fans and love listening to your podcast, which is truly a delight, by the way. We are Walt Disney World annual pass holders and frequent often. However, it's the only Disney resort we have been to. That's about to change, though, with our first trip to Disneyland in California Adventure in September. Our trip 
will also be accompanied by going to three days of the D23 Expo. As Walt Disney World goers, we were wondering if you have any ideas on some must-dos with visiting Disneyland for the first time that would be important to experience, such as rides, entertainment, and of course food. We are excited to be at the original park and see the differences to our home park while also experiencing what makes Disneyland and California Adventure unique. Thank you so much. P.S. We love our very amusing merch, and you bet we'll be wearing them on our trip. Thanks. Kyle! Oh my gosh, thank you so much for calling in with this question. Full disclosure to everyone listening, Kyle and I emailed a bit, and I was like, we need this question on the podcast because I'm sure so many other people are planning to make the pilgrimage to Disneyland Resort for D23 Expo later this year, and it's such a a good inquiry, and I want to make sure that everyone has the best advice possible for their first or maybe their first in a while trip to Disneyland Resort. We're going to split this up by park, Disneyland, and Disney California Adventure. Again, there are only two, and you're walking distance from each other, so you don't have to worry about any internal bus system, which is a dream. Now, it's it's very complicated to recommend what to ride at Disneyland because the short answer is everything, but <laughs> the truth is that You absolutely must ride any attraction that you do not have in Walt Disney World. We're talking stuff like Matterhorn bobsleds. We're talking stuff like Indiana Jones Adventure. But we're also talking about Snow White's Enchanted Wish, which is a dark ride that only exists at Disneyland parks. You absolutely want to hit things like that. But be sure you don't skip out on attractions that you also have because they're often very different here. Everything from Pirates of the Caribbean to Space Mountain to Big Thunder Mountain Railroad to even Haunted Mansion, which actually has an elevator in the stretching room here are absolutely worth going on. But when it comes to can't miss highlights, I would start your day early and by visiting Fantasyland hard. Every ride there will feel unique and special because they're so much smaller in scale and they definitely feel retro, including Peter Pan. But Doing them all in succession kind of makes your brain feel like you're in this old school version of Disneyland. If you do all of those at once, you might feel a little like you're in a different decade than right now, which is why I recommend starting your day with that to kind of give you a base level of old Disneyland before you move on into newer attractions. Beyond attractions, though... You cannot miss Fantasmic. I want to like reach through my microphone out of your speaker and be like, you can't miss it, but you absolutely cannot miss it. The version in Walt Disney World, I am sorry, is a joke compared to the one we have at Disneyland. Everyone who's giving you advice will probably be like, World of Color, we love World of Color, which is great, whatever. No, it is not the same as Fantasmic. Do not miss it. Do not miss it. Do not miss it. You know how you have that sad white boat that everyone trots out on at the end of the show? Here, you know what? I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to tell you and leave it as a surprise. It's going to be a surprise, but your brain will be blown open by Fantasmic. I cannot wait for it to come back. It comes back in a few weeks. I am amped. Now, beyond rides, beyond me screaming at you about Fantasmic, uh, be sure to spend a lot of time noodling around New Orleans Square because there are little, little pockets in there that will feel so special and so set apart from the theme park as a whole, which is something you can't really get at Magic Kingdom or at Walt Disney World Resort. And definitely take the Disneyland Railroad all the way around. They recently updated it to, a uh, long story short, to make room for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and it's a really nice experience that I highly recommend. 
I would also flag to possibly look into tours, specifically the Walk in Walt's Disneyland Footsteps Tour. It is not currently available, but of course that could change by later this year. And they often, not always, but often take you inside Walt's apartment on Main Street USA, which is one of those bucket list, hard to see spots that that's the easiest way to get in there. Uh, You can also see it from outside if you look up just above the fire station when entering kind of on the left-hand side before Main Street USA. Uh, Just take a peek up there and be like, that's Walt's apartment. It'll give you a little old school Disneyland magic. At Disney California Adventure, we are going to go all in, chips in, and say you must ride Radiator Springs Racers. You must. You must. It is worth spending the money on to buy an a la carte lightning lane entry. If you're short on time and you end up not doing it, just you two just got to get in the single rider line, even if you do it separately. This attraction exists nowhere else. It's so well-themed. It is beautiful to even observe when you're just on the path seeing the vehicles go. You will flip your lid for it absolutely must. And if you are okay with a drop ride, if you like Tower of Terror, do Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout because it will make you think about Tower of Terror differently. This version was originally Tower of Terror, like we have at Walt Disney World at Disney's Hollywood Studios, but we don't have that fifth dimension moment, so it's truly more of a standard drop ride. However, what they did to change this into Mission Breakout blows my mind. They essentially turned it from a drop ride into a lift and drop ride. So you will fly up, you will crash down, you will feel like you're floating in space. It is unlike anything else I've experienced in a Disney park. I'm sure many people agree with me here. And it is worth doing even if you're a little scared or even if you're not a Marvel fan, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Also, Do not sleep on the little things about DCA. Uh, This park is not as jam-packed with attractions like Disneyland is, so you're able to just kind of wander around, have a snack, have a drink, have a soda, just meander. And I think that's really special and shouldn't be wasted. I mean, appreciate the live entertainment. Go on the Silly Symphony Swing Ride. Just walking through every corner of the park where you're like, hmm, that's weird that there's a huge theater here that currently has no show in it is worth clocking. DCA is kind of always in its own iconic, I don't want to say flop, period, because that's not what's happening. But no matter when you go, you will always look back and be like, wild that you turn left at Carthay Circle and there's just no attraction except for Monsters, Inc. ride. Anyway, but specific highlights for you, I would take a peek inside the animation building. It has Animation Academy. It has some other cool walkthrough stuff, but mostly it'll feel like a little surprise hidden escape, like an, like an oh, I didn't know there was a teeny tiny Epcot Pavilion here because it's so easy to just breeze on past. Also, be sure to pop out of the park at some time and go into Disney's Grand Californian because the hotel lobby is exceptional and beautiful and worth just stepping out to see or maybe grabbing a snack while you're there. But the last tip I have for that park specifically, which I don't think other people are going to tell you to do this, is to ride Luigi's Rollickin' Roadsters. Okay, Luigi's Rollickin' Roadsters is a trackless ride that predates a lot of other trackless rides in America. It is incredible. It is so much fun. It looks like a baby ride. But when you're in that little car and you're spinning in circles, it's hard not to laugh and scream for joy. I promise. It is better than teacups. I will go to my grave saying that and you will have a great time. And the line is only usually like 25 to 30 minutes max. So highly recommend. Now, if you're like, um, ma'am, why didn't you tell me anything about food? This is specifically what I called in for. That's because you are already set up and good to go. Refer to my Eater Disneyland 38 map and it has 
everything you need. I specifically designed it to hit on all the favorites while also including some of my personal greats that was just updated about a week or two ago. So you're completely set. Just Google Eater Disneyland map and boom, you're there. Uh, But if you need to be pushed towards a certain table service experience when you're making reservations, which I would do the day they come out because a lot of people are coming in town around Expo, I would recommend Carthay Circle, but not necessarily the sit-down table service restaurant upstairs. I would recommend just doing something in Carthay Circle, whether that, whether going to the lounge, which by the way, you can check in on the waitlist day of. You just have to be in the vicinity to get on the waitlist. Sitting there having a cocktail, or if you don't drink cocktails, they have a wonderful rose petal soda that I myself get sometimes. It's just a nice environment, and you want to at least check that off the list because I think it's a really great restaurant, really great dining experience, whether you do the full meal or not. And they have small plates downstairs in the Alfresco Lounge, which I believe they now call it on the internet. Also, Lamplight Lounge is a great vibe. And they have a special brunch if you're able to go to the expo late, if that's something you're interested in. So if you're planning to be in DCA and you want a sit-down meal, I would also recommend that. As for Disneyland, I don't really sit down for a lot of meals. I mean, right now, Carnation Cafe is the only place you can get a Mickey Waffle in that park. So I would maybe make a reservation there to have a breakfast, have the Mickey waffle, have the moment. Uh, But really, you can get by at Disneyland just bopping around, eating whenever you feel like it, mobile ordering, just going to Plaza Inn for a casual lunch. It's pretty easy breezy. If you really wanted something, I would say Blue Bayou is kind of the spot just because it's so special to be inside an attraction in Pirates of the Caribbean. But I would just keep Rancho Del Zocalo in your back pocket. It is a quick service restaurant. It can go any time of day, and it's basically uh, the best comparison to Disney World is Picos Bill, but the food is so much better that I feel rude even saying that. So it's a really good way to, if you're hungry and you need to eat something and you don't know where to go, head there. You can get a ton of food. It's great and highly reliable. I hope you and Jonathan have so much fun on your trip. I hope to see you at Expo. I will be there. Um, I, I was like, I'll be wearing a very amusing shirt, but that would be highly embarrassing to be like, I'm a billboard for myself. But who knows? I might not have clean laundry, so TPD put a pin in it. Either way, I hope you have so much fun. I hope you have so much fun, and I hope this was helpful. Enjoy Disneyland! <laughs> show! Thank you all so much for listening and a very special thank you to my friend and colleague, Brooke McDonald. You can find Brooke McDonald's work at SimpleMost.com, The Points Guy, Travel Pulse, Better, Marin Magazine, truly everywhere. If you are Googling something about Disney parks, Brooke's name is bound to pop up. You can follow her online at Brooke G. McDonald on Twitter and Instagram. And that's M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. It's not MacDonald. It's at Brooke G. McDonald online. Follow her. She's the best. If you enjoyed the show and want to send me, oh, I don't know, the equivalent of a modern day schoolhouse valentine in my little paper bag mailbox, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And give us a rating if you wouldn't mind to let other theme park folks know that we're a great hang. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which is a huge deal and a much appreciated favor. No one really loves to do work, but listen, if you could just plunk out a few words, it would be immensely helpful. I appreciate it. Everyone on the businessy end of this podcast appreciates it. And then that way more people can find out that we're all chilling here. So I thank you in advance. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And please leave us a review. Please. I don't like to grovel, but it is very nice to read them when I open up the page and then I see my little friend's comments. It's nice. It's nice. 
Give us a call at 747 Churros with any questions, concerns, comments, stresses, uh, hot takes, observations, gossip, intel, whatever you'd like. Our handy dandy hotline is open 24 7 for you, and we will take your calls and texts, kind of. Why not? And if you're like, well, I love this weird little internet inbox where people leave questions. I'd love to wear my heart on my sleeve and body. You're in luck. The very amusing store is open and not fully stocked at the moment because we are currently refilling it with goods. But if you want very specific items or to check back in the future to see if there are more things, if you're listening to this, not when this episode comes out, give us a visit at very-amusing.com. We have shirts, we have sweatshirts, we have hats, we have earrings. We have uh, other things I won't spoil that are coming uh, in the future, but we have a bunch of fun stuff that can let you wear your pride for the podcast on your body and then also help you meet friends in the park who have similar interests like turning left in Mexico. I don't I don't mean to assign everyone who listens to this podcast a love for turning left, but you know where I stand. You know where I stand. You can find me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter and Instagram all the time. And on Facebook, you can join my family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This podcast was edited lucrepishly, lucrepishly by Jeff Fox. Can you tell my book is being put to good use? These words are too big for even me to pronounce. Lucrepishly. Lucrepishly. We'll go with that. Thank you so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, sweetheart, it's Mom. I just love this very amusing podcast this week with friends calling in. It's been so good. I really love it. And I want you to know that your very amusing merch launch has been crazy amazing. I'm still waiting on four items. I'm so excited. And my very amusing retro sweatshirt that I live in every day that I love, I'm getting plenty of use of. Dad said to me the other day, and maybe it was day three or four, I'm sorry to say, but he said, haven't you taken that thing off yet? And I told him, no, I have not. I love it. It's soft, and it's great, and I love it. So I know that the first caller that called in was something about Harry Potter, but it sounded like a baby talking baby talk, so I didn't understand one single word. I'm so sorry. But um, I guess it was good. I have no idea what that was about. Um, the highlight of my day, week, month is caller Zach from Orlando. And he said, quote, unquote, you're going to have to listen to it again. Your mom is amazing and should have her own podcast. Zach from Orlando, I love you so much. Um, Carly, I thought for sure you were not going to mention that when you were talking about Zach. But at the end, you came through and you did say a couple things to me that maybe you said if the people want it, you would do an episode with me. So please, please, please call in and tell Carly you'd like me to be on if you'd like me to be on because I would love that. And I don't want to sound like a brat or anything because I would love to do another podcast with you. But can I have a little longer segment than 11 minutes? I love you. Okay, don't be mad. Mother's Day is coming, and you just said in your commercial, Mother's Day is just around the corner. See, I listen to every single thing you say. I'm booking a flight as we speak. But I know you love your cheese, and I'm glad you ventured out and tried your other cheese. I remember one story. I don't know what birthday it was, but I actually bought you a wheel of cheese with the wax coating. 
I don't understand, but that was what you wanted. So, of course, I got that for your birthday. And I just want to end with that I love you very much, and I love this very amusing podcast. I love the merch. I love that you have brought people together on your family and on your very amusing podcast. You just bring people together with the same interests, and it's been so great. I've been talking to many people on the family, and it's just a wonderful place to be, and I'm so proud of you for doing this, and I love you so much. Bye, sweetheart. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.